This is Invest Talk. Independent thinking, shared success. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to take your finance and investment questions and share their unbiased answers. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. The clarity for your path forward starts now. Here is KPP Chief Executive Officer, Financial Advisor, Justin Klein. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome back to Invest Talk. This is our Monday, January 23rd, 2023 edition. And one month ago, we were getting ready for the new year. And today we are starting the fourth trading week of the year. And so far, it's been a pretty fruitful one. Definitely more bullish than most people had been expecting uh, the month of December. A lot of tax loss selling. Uh, it was a it was a bit of a rough December, and a lot of people thought the market was going to break down, and really the opposite has happened. We've broken to the upside on the back of a potential Fed pivot. Now that's the short term gyrations of the market, and too often. People get caught up in that, chasing the returns, and oftentimes those emotions that these price movements can can bring uh, means bad decision making. And so that's why in this show, our goal is to help keep you on the right path, give you the right perspective, give you the right data, and keep paying attention to the things that matter, not the shiny headline, not the shiny object of uh, the hot stock or sector of the day. Uh, it's more about having the right mindset to make good investment decisions consistently. So as we know, market dynamics are shifting and you need to be reacting in real time. And having, like I said, the proper perspective in order to build a more balanced portfolio for your goals and your risk tolerance level. So I'm Justin Klein. I'm here on today's radio show and program to answer your finance and investment questions, to help you develop portfolio strategies and make solid, good decisions with your money on a consistent basis. With facts in hands, not with emotion, with the facts on the ground. And so that you're investing based on the reality of the situation as opposed to the hopes and dreams of yourself or somebody you've t- you've talked to it's about how to make the most of the market that we're in that you're presented with so our phone lines are open 24 hours a day 7 days a week at 88899 chart and i've got a lot of material for you today one is on the pros and cons of investing in REITs versus direct real estate. A lot of people want to get into real estate investing and about 70% of rental homes, individual homes are from or owned by individual investors. And there are pros and cons of each, just like everything. There's pros and cons to REITs versus uh, owning one or multiple pieces of property directly. And we're going to get into all of that, which one makes sense for you. I think we're going to do a good job of answering that question. I also have some other topics to discuss, time permitting. One is in regards to offshore 
oil market. That has been dormant for a while, but it's making a bit of a comeback. So we're going to look at that. Also, home remodeling. We know that the housing market's slowing, but what does the home remodeling market look like as well? And how does that feed into those type of names? And then the buy the tip, buy the dip, excuse me, not buy the tip, buy the dip mentality in the tech sector is almost all but dead, except for one company. And I'm going to reveal what that company is a little bit later. My, my perspective for this Monday looks at real world numbers with regards to inflation, what things cost 100 years back and what they cost today. So I've got this all planned for this episode of Invest Talk. And of course, most importantly, your live calls at 888-99-CHART. Let's take a look at the market today. It was a decidedly positive day overall. You had the broad U.S. market up about one and a quarter percent. The small caps did the best, up about a percent and a half. Mid caps up about 1.4 percent. And you had really the growth side of the market is starting to perk up. And this is what I said on my YouTube video on Friday is that with the, the Fed pivot in the offing, right? The Fed pause, I call it. Uh, it. That's going to likely bring a relief rally in the growth side of the market, in the tech sector. And you're getting a bit of an outperformance near term. You had semiconductors up nicely today, up about geez, 4%. So that was a, a good move there. Uh, and that's been outperforming here for most of the, the start of the year. Uh, so would not shock me to see this be a quarter where growth actually outperforms value for the first time in a while. Why is that? Well, inflation's coming down. Interest rates are have, have pulled back. The 10-year is now at 4.52, up four basis points today. But that's down from four and a quarter, 4.3 or so back in October. So that's certainly helping the, the growthier side of the market. So you're always going to get that, right? Where, where I would say the we are in an era where value is likely to outperform, but there will be quarters where growth outperforms. Just like from 2007, 2021, that was a period where growth outperformed, but there were years and a lot of quarters where, where value had, had its... Uh, it's day in the sun, uh, and you're going to get the same thing. Right? You're going to get counter trend rallies, and, and I think you're in the midst of one. Uh, maybe a time to think about how to rebalance out of those names if you're overweight the growth side of the market, uh, and you're, you're going to be entering likely a period where you get a bit better prices there. And if you're a trader, you, you know those that's the area that may get uh, uh, some outperformance in the near term. So that's my uh, just quick synopsis of what happened today. And this is uh, so far a, a positive uh, time in the market. Uh, I think really pricing in that Fed pause, which likely will come either after this next Fed meeting in February or in March. And that was kind of leaked over the weekend that they're going to discuss that at the meeting coming up next week. This is next. Uh, what's the first Wednesday? Yeah, next Wednesday will be the Fed meeting, Fed announcement. And they talked about that's when they will discuss whether or not uh, what is needed for that Fed pause and uh, the economic data that comes in is coming in is really backing up that there should be a Fed pause near term. Now we're heading into a break. Steve and I are happy to play your recorded voice bank questions. 
but we very much enjoy taking your live calls as well. And that means our number never changes and it never closes. It's InvestTalk at 888-99-CHART. In today's world, a variety of factors are affecting the stock markets. Serious investors know building a secure financial future requires hard work and determination. That's why now, more than ever, when it comes to the planning, execution, and maintenance of your portfolio, you need InvestTalk. With total downloads nearing 50 million, each InvestTalk podcast should be one of your key financial planning and educational tools. InvestTalk is a free download. And hosts Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to provide their unbiased guidance and professional analysis developed from real-time data research and years of investing experience. 24-7, rain or shine, during smooth sailing or on rough weather days, the Invest Talk listener line is open and waiting for your questions. You set the agenda. Don't forget to call Invest Talk 888-99-CHART. Everybody wants a secure financial future, but getting there takes strategy and discipline. And along the way, you're sure to have finance and investment questions. Justin Klein is here and ready to take your calls live. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. Hey, Justin and Steve, this is Andrew from Atlanta. Giving you a phone call. I bought CPRX Catalyst Pharmaceuticals. It has dropped like over 33% today. Something about Teva Pharmaceuticals is going to start selling a generic version of one of their medications. Listen, going forward, is this anything to be highly concerned about or is this just day to day, you know, up and down? I'm curious if I could please get your take on uh, the current status of this stock. I appreciate your help. Thank you. All right, CPRX, which is Catalyst Pharmaceuticals, down 29% today on that news. I'm not too familiar with this, but I will say this. Uh, this is rallied pretty dramatically from about 5 bucks early last year all the way to a high of around 22 uh, just last week. Now falling 29% down to $14.76 on huge volume. When you get large sell-offs like this on big volume after a big run, it likely means it wants to go lower. It doesn't mean you can't get a near-term bounce, but that would worry me. Uh, you know, These smaller cap names are typically reliant on one or two drugs, and if there is one that suddenly comes under threat from the generics, then that can mean big problems for their business. So I'd really have to dig into it. To, to make sure, but I don't like the sound of it and I don't like the chart. So I would take your losses, take your lumps. Maybe you have gains. Hopefully you bought it a while ago, uh, but I would move out of it and onto something else because I don't like that, uh, that overhang. And it's only about a billion and a half market cap stock. And these things can be pretty wild. Okay. And uh, so I would move on. Thanks for the call. Now, my focus point concerns this story, the pros and cons of investing in REITs versus direct real estate. And, you know, real estate is one of those things that is very popular. 
right? Uh, it's, a very, it's a large part of many investors' portfolio. And yeah, you should probably have some real estate in your portfolio. Five, 10, 20% of your liquid assets, probably not more than 20, um, but, uh, or, you know, of your total assets, excuse me, because obviously directly real estate isn't liquid, but your total assets probably shouldn't exceed 20, but having five to 20% in real estate isn't necessarily a bad thing. But there are spectrums, there's a spectrum of how much you, sh you are involved in the actual investing part of real estate, right? There's more active investments, which is one could be ground up construction, right? Being coming a developer, that's very hands-on. Then there's the fix and flip crowd, which, you know, goes and buys up dilapidated uh, buildings and homes and trying to fix them up and bring value to them, value add projects. And then there's just your standard owning, managing longer term rentals or, you know, sometimes Airbnb now, which is, uh, you know, that's pretty hands on as well. And then you go into the passive realm, hiring a property manager, uh, maybe you have a silent part, becoming, being a silent partner in a broader investment. And then it goes into individual REITs or REIT mutual funds. And that's very hands off. Okay. So that's kind of the, the spectrum when it comes to real estate. Now, what are the pros and cons of investing in REITs? Now, 45% of American households own a REIT of some kind. That's double from two decades ago. And the good thing about REITs is you get diversification without a lot of commitment of what owning a single property and dealing with single tenants uh, comes with, right? So when you buy a REIT, it, it's a lot easier to buy and sell, more liquid. This is a private REIT, which you definitely wanna stay away from, but talking public REITs mainly. These public REITs, they're liquid. Now you go, you wanna sell a physical property, you have to go list it and, and find a buyer for it. it takes uh, oftentimes many months, especially in this market. And then there's the diversification aspect. You get to diversify into hundreds, if not thousands of properties in many of these REITs. So you avoid the concentrated portfolio. And then you can gain access to out of area type of investments, sometimes even out of country. And a lot of times the returns there are even better than domestically. I think of here in California, I live in California, uh, investing in your rental real estate market right now, uh, you know, your cap rates, maybe three, maybe up to 4% now, but still that's meager compared to what you're getting in the corporate bond market, market, for example. So, you know, if you want good rates, good cap rates, you're going to need to go out of state. And some people, you know, just don't want to do that. Okay. Uh, and, and deal with properties that are hundreds, if not thousands of miles away. Okay. And REITs enjoy a favorable, favorable tax treatment, meaning that they're pass-through entities. So REITs don't pay tax on the corporate level, right? It's not a corporation, it's a pass-through entity. But that also means that when you get the dividends, you're paid out at, you're, you're taxed at a higher rate, right? Those dividends are taxed at your ordinary income tax rate, and sometimes that can be a good thing or a bad thing, okay? So that's REITs, but after the break, I'm gonna get into physical real estate. What are the pros and cons there? Now the market is constantly changing and that means you probably have questions. So I'm ready to take them right now. 
on InvestTalk at 888 chart One of the most rewarding things I do each weekday is host the Invest Talk podcast. I truly enjoy helping investors, and I know that every question counts and every answer I provide will be unbiased. You, the caller, get to chart the course for each Invest Talk podcast. Call with your questions anytime, day or night, 888-99 chart. Now, before the break, I talked a bit about the nice diversity and liquidity that comes with investing in REITs, public REITs, not private REITs, remember, you want to stay away from those. But what about directly owning real estate? Now, the first major benefit of that is going to be from a tax perspective. So if you're in a high tax bracket, uh, what a lot of real estate investors do, you buy a property and you can quickly depreciate it. And even though you're cash flow positive from a tax perspective, you're depreciating the asset fast and you're taking you're avoiding a lot of tax and there's a lot of people that do that and you never capture that tax back until you sell the property and many of them don't ever sell a property right they pass that on to their their next of kin so there are substantial tax benefits which you want to talk to an accountant about in your own situation and it depends on the property etc but you know the first question you always have to ask yourself when you're owning real estate directly is how active do you want to be and what type of risk tolerance do you have there's a lot of there's a wide range of potential outcomes when it comes to investing in a single property you can make really great decisions or really terrible decisions based on what you pay where you buy it uh you know what's the local market like etc so it's certainly higher risk to own individual properties. It also requires a lot of cash, due diligence, time. Even if you rely on a property manager, you still need to be involved in some way. And a property manager cuts into your cash flow and your, your margins. And if you need cash, Once again, liquidity isn't really there. You can't sell part of a property. You sell all of it or none, usually. So if you have extra time and some extra cash, that might be right for you. So if you're, you know, in summary, if you're a successful, busy professional, direct property ownership, pretty costly and time intensive. Dealing with tenants and maintenance probably isn't your thing. And if you live in an area that doesn't have high cap rates, meaning high returns on those uh, rentals, that's also a big drawback. So passively investing in REITs is probably the better choice. Now, if your job is more flexible, maybe you're a work from home or part-time work, maybe real estate can be your hobby, your part-time job your other part-time job. So as long as you have the risk appetite, the liquidity, and the willingness to put in work. If you don't have all those, well, then REITs are probably still your answer. But once again, active investors, you can hit home runs. If you're willing to put in the work, do the research, find the right people, uh, find remodels, fixer-uppers, that can be an option, etc. 
but there's always downside, right? Purchasing an illiquid asset can be costly if you make the wrong decision. Now, if you're retired, you have a lot of time in your hands. Maybe you're downsizing instead of selling your home, which you used to you know, live in. Maybe you just rent it. Still in your local area, you go and fix it, fix the problems, and you deal with a tenant. You have one, uh, you know, maybe a handful of, of rentals, and that might be right for you. So it's really important to get this right because a lot of people are all about real estate investing. And I think that's there's certain, like I said at the top, a, a percentage of everyone's assets should be in real estate to a degree. But you really have to go with your eyes wide open and know which option is right for you. Now let's go to Richard in Santa Clarita looking at Volkswagen. Yes, hi Justin. Um, I wanted to ask about Volkswagen, VWAGY. Uh, something happened today which uh, kind of unique, I guess. They uh, paid a special dividend, uh, a dividend that uh, instead of the a little over 78 cents, it's uh, $2.04, so it's a, it's a good dividend. Um, but how does that affect this stock? And I, I think it had might have something to do with their uh, relationship with Porsche. Um, is that uh, giving out a special dividend a, a good sign? Is Volkswagen right now uh, at a price where it's uh, a good investment? Well, I, I always say this. A lot of people are hung up on the car industry. It's very top of mind. You're you see a lot of cars in the road, right? Your, your friend, your cousin, your brother might have bought a car and it, it might be nice and you, you like it or whatever. Um, but typically, if you understand businesses, the auto industry is really one of the worst businesses to be in. It's very competitive. It's highly capital intensive. You deal with unions if you're producing here in the U.S. And... You know, it's up and down. It depends on what's hot, you know, what models are hot and how, how good of a job you're doing with production and design, et cetera. But I will say Porsche is probably, or, or Volkswagen is one of the best in the world when it comes full stack from production efficiency, design, et cetera. But it's still a relatively poor investment long term. So I'm not sure about the details of the special dividend, but not a name that I get excited about. I think it's just the better. It's not bad. It's just a lot of better opportunities. Focus on ones, the OEM parts manufacturers that supply Volkswagen, those tend to be better investments. Thanks for the call. Now we're heading into a break, so give me a call live at 888-99-CHART. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, Whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, 
every time or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's Attack Resistance Platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. Each day, Invest Talk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for Invest Talk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. We're going to go to Cabo San Lucas, one of my favorite places, and talk to Mac looking at Bungie. Yes, sir. I own this stock, and uh, I was wondering uh, if you think it's something I should hold. I It's uh, part of a, you know, agricultural commodity type uh, holding. Yeah, of course. Yeah, this is a Bungie very large corporation, about $14 billion market cap. And it is in the agribusiness. It's the largest oilseed processing, has the largest oilseed processing capacity globally. And that's where two thirds of its profits come from. And it also seller packaged vegetable oils and other food and ingredients products. Uh, historically, it is a consistently profitable business, which I really like. Return on equity right now is right around 19%. Now that's probably over earning a bit. Uh, 2021, they were make, their, their return on equity was 44%, far in excess of what they probably should be at. But, um, you know, so earnings are slowing down. Last year they made almost $13 per share. This year they're supposed to make $13.86, but down 13%, excuse me, last year, uh, $13.86. This year down 13% to $12.04. But it's a $95 stock. So even forward looking, you're getting a bit of mean reversion. Uh, I, I still like it. Uh, I'm I'm fine with it. I like the the commodity play and the ag business, although uh, less kind of booming than the energy space. Uh, it's going to be more consistent, and you see that with the consistency of 
of their business. So I see no reason to sell it. It's at a reasonable valuation, nice, solid, consistent dividend uh, with the ability to grow that dividend, which I like. And have they raised it recently? Yeah, they just recently raised it in early or I guess the second quarter of last year. So I like that. Uh, I'm a fan of Bungie. I would not be selling it. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Nick in Manhattan Beach looking at CDNS, which is Cadence Design Systems. Oh, hi, Justin. Yeah, um, so I, I've called a couple times about uh, various semiconductor companies. Um, definitely interested in the space. But I realize that um, a lot of them are sort of like commodity, like producers, like memory of the commodity business. Mm-hmm. I'm looking for the stocks and the companies that um, have, you know, almost monopolies in terms yeah. of the stock. Um, yeah, so I've, I've already invested in ASML, um, but also I've found another company, Cadence Design Systems, that is not a monopoly, but a, um, basically an oligopoly. They've got two other companies that... Um, along with Cadence, comprise about 80, 85% of the market share of uh, EDA, which is Electronic Design Automation Software, which is a software that you know, all the major semiconductor design companies need in order to uh, create you know, like the, the very complex cities that are uh, high-end semiconductors with, um, I think, the new Apple uh, laptop announced recently has 67 billion transistors. Mm-hmm. And uh, this, the designing that takes the software. You, you can't do it without it. Mm-hmm. And so they've got a pretty uh, strong value proposition. I'm wondering if uh, you know it's a little overpriced, but you know that's that's uh, in the eye of the beholder. But I'd like to buy it around $150 per share. Um, I was wondering if you think that is fair for a uh, company that has always had a pretty high PE. Although that valuation has been rising over the years, anyway. Um, I was, yeah. What do you think about one hundred fifty dollars a share for Cadence? Uh, well, it's at one hundred eighty three now. So, and one fifty is definitely near the the lower end of the the recent range. It's been in a trading range since the end of twenty twenty when a lot of the growth stocks peaked. So, it certainly outperformed uh, the growthier side of the market. So, that's uh, positive, and I like that. I like those stocks that are 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 having that a relative outperformance. Problem is, is that from a valuation perspective, it's it's come in, but not nearly enough. Start trading at a 15 times price to sales, even at a 150, you're still talking uh, roughly 12 to 13 times, which uh, if you look historically, buying anything north of 10 price to sales ratio is usually an iffy proposition. Um, I like this business. They have minimum debt, uh, actually net cash on their balance sheet. So uh, that's not an issue. They have consistent cash flow and profitability. Let me look at the cash from operations. Yeah, that is kind of flatlined recently after years of growth. Uh, a lot of has to do with just simply uh, the companies pulling back from designing as many products as they, they were before, uh, slimming down SKUs and, and inventory, etc. So uh, that's certainly hit uh, on their business. Um, so I like what you're looking at. This is definitely if I'm going to invest in the the Semiconductor space. These are the type of names that I like. I like the way that you're thinking. Is there's a lot of semiconductor companies that uh, basically produce rock commodities. Yeah, they're they're semiconductors, but uh, it's the same thing uh, from one firm to the next. Whereas uh, I like these companies that uh, are in the picks and shovel business, as as you call it. I love those businesses. You know, um, you know, going back to that call earlier about Volkswagen. You know, that's what the OEM parts manufacturers, uh, why I like those businesses better, because they're typically the picks and shovels of how to produce the end product. 
And those more often than not are much better businesses, much, much better businesses because they're less competitive. There's usually some sort of intellectual property there that uh, gives them that, that stranglehold on that consistent profitability. And they're not as subject to the whims and ups and downs of the, uh, the, the industry. And so I, I like this name and it's frankly, this is on our watch list to buy for clients. It's just too expensive at 150. It's okay, you know, but still it's overvalued at that level. You know, I need this closer to 70 to 80. Right? That's a level where I started to get a little more interested. Um, and then from a technical perspective, I think it eventually gets there. You've already seen this kind of uh, divergence lower over the past year. Uh, and likely this is going to have a period along with the rest of the growth side of the market of of pullback and, and consolidation. And so around uh, the, the 75 level, that's where I would get excited about this name, but not at 120 or 150. Excuse me. All right. Let's go to Sunny in San Jose. Let's talk about ETFs. Yeah. Uh, hi, Justin. Are you able to hear me? Thanks for the call. Yeah. Uh, Justin, are you able to hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. What uh, can you, uh, what, what can okay, I help you Okay, wonderful. With? Wonderful. Thank you for uh, giving me time to ask the question. Uh, I, I just came across uh, recently with a unique kind of ETF. Mm -hmm. uh, usually the ETF is a basket of stocks, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, this one seems to be pretty unusual, and I wasn't sure that if it is really worth taking a shot for that. Okay. This is a one-stock ETF. Okay. And what what, for what example, ETF is this? The symbol is TSLQ, which is a kind of inverse of Tesla. Okay. It is only the one-stock ETF. Okay. Uh, similarly, I was able to find on uh, actually Apple as well, which is okay. they have one stock ETF, which is inverse for APPD mm -hmm. like a down, if you want to mm -hmm. short Apple, mm -hmm. APPU like if you want to go up. Mm -hmm. So this is something pretty unique I have found. I don't know, I mean, if it is something, um, another uh, <laughs> any tough kind of thing by Wall Street, or is it really a good product to be to 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 be looked into a one stock ETF? Uh, well, I, I'm not sure why you would buy the one that goes up with the stock, uh, but I would understand why there would be the ones that would short the individual stock because, in for example, an IRA or a 401k, you cannot short stocks. So if you want to bet on the downside of Tesla your SOL. But if you go long a, uh, if you go long a fund that is short the underlying, then you're within the guidelines, I guess. So that's what this is for. Um, if you, if you have a tax deferred account like that, where you want to short these, then this would be the vehicle for you. I'm not sure the mechanisms and what the costs are. Uh, yeah, it looks like expense ratio on the Tesla one is about 1.15. So you're going to have some costs there. But that would be really the only reason to do it. Uh, or if it was a hard to borrow and you couldn't borrow it from your broker in your regular brokerage account, you know, that might be another alternative. Uh, but those are, you know, very special situations. Um, obviously, I'm not a fan of Tesla. Um, so I don't think, I think owning the one that goes shorted is probably a good idea, but it's better 
if you just short it yourself individually. Um, so that's that's why they're they're here, uh, but only to be used in those situations. Thanks for the call. Let's go to James in New York, looking at Devon Energy. Hey, you tonight? You there? Yes, hello. Yes, Devon Energy. Do you own yes. it? Or looking to buy it? Uh, I was considering buying it. I wanted to get some exposure in the space. Um, it looks reasonably priced, but yeah. I don't know. Is this possibly a, a value trap? I also noted a dramatic increase in dividend the last two years. I was just wondering about this. It's, it wasn't quite clear to me. Well, Devon Energy is one of the better names within the industry, that's for sure. And they've willed down their debt to very reasonable levels, so that's a positive. They have increased their dividend, like you said, pretty dramatically to $1.55 as of uh, September. But that has come back down here. And yeah, it looks like it's down to $1.35. So it's right-sized a bit. Uh, sounds like they're, they're probably have a dividend policy that fluctuates with their earnings. Uh, and earnings are starting to level out and expect it to actually fall 5% this year. But still, $8.22 on a $65 stock, you're talking about roughly eight times earnings. Pretty good. Now, so I, I would give this one a thumbs up. It's uh, it's in the top five of the large E&P oil companies out there in, in our minds because of that low debt level, because of the quality of their assets uh, and, and the nice dividend. Um, so if you're looking at Devin, uh, you can do a lot worse. Let's just say that. Thanks for the call. Now, when people take the time to leave an Invest Talk podcast review on iTunes, we'd like to thank them for the courtesy by getting to their questions quickly. Gene Coos says, OTC stock uh, uh, says, can you please explain what transpires when you hold an OTC stock and they go public on a major exchange? Does equity that you hold just roll over to the new ticker symbol? And also, if you have time, can you please give your thoughts on ticker symbol SIBI? Well, it's a good price target. Okay, so let me talk about OTC. So OTC are just over-the-counter, over, that's what OTC stands for, over-the-counter. means it doesn't trade on a major exchange. Now, here's the, if you move from OTC to a major exchange, the NYSE, the NASDAQ, etc., your ownership stake doesn't change. That shouldn't unless there's other things going on. But just moving to an exchange doesn't mean anything from uh, your your ownership stake. It should just roll over. Now, the good thing with that, it's always a positive because it opens itself up to more investors when you are listed on a major exchange because the exchanges, they have a little more oversight and they want to make sure each company that's on their exchange is of quality, and is a reputable business to be invested in. And so they have requirements for being listed on their exchange because they don't want to have all these random companies and half of them frauds uh, on their exchange. It would make them look bad. You know, they want volume and the volume of trades, that's what they, they make money on. And people are only going to invest in companies uh, for the most part that they have some trust in. So overall, it's a good thing, but the ownership stake doesn't change. Hopefully gave you uh, the overview of the OTC versus the major exchanges. Now, Civi is another oil and gas company, much smaller than Devon, $5.5 billion market cap. And 
It's called Civitas, Civitas, Civitas. Not sure how to how to pronounce it. But earnings have exploded from three dollars roughly in 2021 to thirteen dollars and fifty three cents last year. Expected to fall down to ten dollars and seventy four cents this year. Uh, so down twenty one percent, but three point one percent dividend yield, which is nice. Sixty five dollar stock. So Devin was trading in roughly eight times. This is closer to six times forward looking earnings. So a little bit cheaper, but Smaller, less diversified, higher risk. Let me look at their debt levels real quick. Because certainly that's a big factor. Devin's debt levels are, are pretty minimal. Savitas has, yeah, actually no debt. So that's positive. But longer term, their profitability tends to be a little lower than Devin's and a little more volatile. So certainly higher risk, but I like it. I like the space, as you know. I like that they don't have a lot of debt. Their payout ratio is a lot lower than Devin, so more room there for that dividend to go up, which I like. Um, so overall, value-wise, everything, Civitas would be probably a little bit better. But you're also taking more risk because it's smaller, because it doesn't have the diversity of assets, of assets that Devin has, the history of consistent profitability and consistent management execution uh, like Devin would have. But I still like it. So it depends on your risk tolerance level. Thanks for the call. Now we're getting a lot of live calls today and I love it. I love your live calls. So hope to squeeze in one more talking point before we end the show. But we're going to move on to a break. So I'm ready to take your calls. You only have about seven minutes left. If you're going to do it, you want to do that right now. We're heading into our final break of the hour. Thank you all for tuning in. This is Invest Talk. Give me a call at 888 chart Your objective is to work hard, plan well, and achieve financial freedom, right? You're in luck. Because Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your finance and investment questions. Call 888-99-CHART. Hey, Stephen, Justin, this is Chris calling from San Diego. Actually, I had two questions. First, real quick, Barrett Business Services, ticker symbol BBSI. Just wondering what you guys think of this company. And my second question is, is there like a rule of thumb or what do you recommend to have as an allocation for options trading. So 1% of your portfolio, 2% of your portfolio, just to have particularly for options trading or to do some shorts to help hedge against some downside in your broader portfolio movement. Thank you guys so much. Love the show. Bye. All right. BBSI is Barrett Business Services. It provides payroll administration services and it's a staffing agency as well. So in a tight labor market, they tend to do well. When the labor market weakens, not so much, right? So most companies, when they're uh, on the path to hire and they're waiting for to find the right candidate, they often hire some temps, maybe some temps to hire. And they use a company like Barrett Business Services. So in a tight labor market, they do well, we're entering a less tight labor market, let's just say that. So I think they're over earning right now, probably not a name I buy in the near term. Now, longer term, if we have, we're, our, our 
workforce is roughly 3 million less than it was pre-pandemic because a lot of the boomers retired. That is generally a, a positive for a company like Barrett Business Services. And I like their longer term consistency. So I would say it's a good name to have in your watch list. I just wouldn't buy it right now because we're kind of in the, the end of the, the tight labor market cycle. And with all the layoffs in the tech industry, I think they're going to start to see a, a pretty loose table, uh, a loose market. Now, when it comes to option trading, you know, it depends on what you're executing. You know, are you doing iron butterflies? Are you doing cover calls? Are you just straight outright buying naked, naked options? Well, what are, what are you doing? Uh, so it's hard for me to say, and what's your risk tolerance level? It's hard for me to say, oh, I should slice off this little part of your portfolio to do option trading. For the most part, I would say none. Most people do terrible with options. Most, most people buy options, they lose money. They're betting big. Yeah, there's some big payoffs, but most of them, uh, they're losing money on. So unless you're very sophisticated, you really know what you're doing, I probably wouldn't, uh, wouldn't be dabbling there. Um, so if you're going to, make a very small percentage. Thanks for the call. Now let's touch on the remodel market. And there's a key measure of remodel activity, which predicts that American homeowners will spend a record $485 billion this year on renovations and repairs. Now, this is a sharp deceleration of growth from the pandemic. So in 2020, year-over-year -year spending rose 16%, and it was up 12% in 2021, and 10.6% in 2020. This year, the growth is only supposed to be 2.6%, so a sharp deceleration. And this doesn't include house flippers and landlords. So if you think about it, home flipping is going to be a terrible business. They're, they're pulling back dramatically because a lot of what home building profits come from, and I know some home flippers, it's just price appreciation as they're going through the remodel. So when you're entering a market that is now falling, you're dealing with massive headwinds versus in a positive market, you're dealing with nice tailwinds that, you know, yeah, you're adding some value with the, your renovations, but a lot of the, the gain is just simply holding that property for that six, nine, 12 months before you actually sell it again. And now it's the opposite. And so they're going to stop spending. So that means less trips to Home Depot and Lowe's. And then also, and this, this is a projection. I actually expect it to shrink this year. Okay. So the projection is 2.6%. I actually think it's going to, going to, going to surprise the downside. Why? Because higher borrowing costs, it's more expensive to tap your home equity to pay for these major repairs and renovations. So just be aware of that sharp deceleration. And this is coming from, who's the, the prediction? This is from, Harvard's joint, Harvard University's Joint Center for Housing Studies. So, good thing they're not conflicted. You know, if this is like, if the uh, National Association of Home Builders, or not home, uh, realtors, excuse me, they're always way more bullish on the housing market than they should be. Luckily, this is coming from a more balanced source, uh, but still, I think they're going to miss the mark uh, to the downside. Well, that about does it. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley. And I thank you for listening. We encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads, which you can find anytime at iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. And you just crossed over the 49 million download mark. Thanks to you. And be sure to rate and review on iTunes. 
helps raise our profile and helps spread the word. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Invest Talk is a trademark of KPP Financial. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security. Because such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor firm which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461.